Hello, my friends, and welcome into another edition of the JMac Podcast. I want to start doing something on a regular basis if I can, and that is to do some pre-recorded podcasts, doing them live right now during the campaign. It's difficult to find time to be able to do them live, but I know you still want to talk to me and hear from me. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to start producing pre-recorded podcasts upon uh, based upon my schedule. And in these podcasts, I want to focus on three different things. First of all, I want to focus on me. I know it's all about me uh, and let you know how I'm doing and what I'm working on. The second one will be about the campaign so you can get an update as to where we are at there. And then the third one will be a couple of stories that I've seen in the news that I absolutely have to comment on. I will see your comments uh, if you put them on the platform wherever you are seeing this. And I do plan on very soon getting back to live podcasts. But until then, hopefully this will do And again, put your comments in the comments, uh, you know, wherever you're watching, and I'll be glad to try and answer them. So here's the first thing about JMac. You remember a while back I was suffering from brain fog and I was having all of these issues and then suddenly it just went away. Well, then I got COVID and guess what? The brain fog is back dramatically. I spoke to my doctor. He said that this is very common. This is way worse than the brain fog that I had before. I find myself staring at my computer screen endlessly, forgetting uh, what I wanted to do or what I wanted to talk about. I lose my keys. I lose my shoes. In fact, when I went to the doctor, uh, when I arrived at the doctor and got out of the car, I realized I had my house slippers on, which I never do. Just so many things that are going on. And I'm I'm having to keep a to-do list, which I've never had to do before. So now I have a to-do list, but guess what? I keep forgetting to look at the to-do list. So now I'm putting up post-it notes to remind me to look at the to-do list so that I don't forget what to do. You know, other than that, my brain is fine, especially in the moment. I have pretty good recall, long-term recall, which is important because when I'm at these campaign events, I'm getting a lot of questions about issues and about my experience. Fortunately, it hasn't impacted that yet, but that's where we're at. Uh, One of the other things I told you is I'm going to try and do more podcasts on a regular basis. And you may see, uh, I've been also trying to work on some other projects around the house. We have a side-by-side, you know, like a UTV, and it's been under a tarp for two years. We haven't been able to use it, and so I have pulled it out, got it in the driveway, and I have been working on it. Replace the fuel pump. Um, I also uh, repainted a bunch of the spots where rust was getting involved, uh, changed the oil, did a bunch of things. And because of that, I have these, you can see them, these black marks here. This is the rust repellent uh, that I put on there. And it doesn't come off very easy. So I will be, I'll, be, I'll have these black spots on my arms 
for a little bit of time anyway. So that's kind of what I've been working on this weekend. Now let's talk about the campaign. And unfortunately, my friends, I don't have very good news about the campaign. We have had one singular goal for the last, I would say, six to eight weeks, and that is to make the debate. Um, you have to get a certain level of polling in order to qualify for the debate. And that number is 10%, but there's a 4% margin of error. So you're looking at 4% to get into the debate. We just received the numbers back and uh, we didn't make it. We did not make it into the debate, which was really shocking because our polling numbers from our last campaign Everything told us that this should be easy for us to qualify for the debate. Now, I don't know for sure exactly why there are people claiming conspiracies as to why I didn't make it into the debate. Well, I have my own theory, and that is that we decided this time to run in the second district and not the fourth. And the whole southern part of the second district is out of the range of KSL. So people down south just had never heard of me. And that was something that we tried to overcome. The reason that I ran against Chris Stewart is because he has been saying the most outrageous things, the most divisive things. And if you want to see a list of those things, I posted a 20 minute long video on YouTube and fo Facebook that says why I'm running against Chris Stewart. Take a look at that and consider it before you decide to vote for him one way or the other. I'm convinced if we would have run in the 4th District, we would have made the debate because the 4th District is our entire broadcast area. Now, I'm just guessing and I'm probably making excuses. Now, this doesn't mean that the campaign is over. We're going to continue to hold our campaign events. This type of polling, I will tell you, is very difficult nowadays, and we're literally talking about the difference between 10 people deciding the poll for everybody. So we still don't know how well we will do in the debate. We hope that you will put out your yard signs. We hope that you will make contributions. We hope that you will spread the word, and uh, we'll see what happens on campaign night. But, you know, I've always known this would be a long shot. My goal the whole time has been to give people another choice and to help uh, wake everybody up to the state that we are in in our country and the understanding that the two parties are trying to tear us apart for political gain. So that is the campaign update. I wish I had better news for you. But you know me, you know I'm going to be honest with you and and be a straight shooter. So there you go. All right, let's move on to a couple of the news stories that uh, caught my eye. This is the first one from Deseret News. And I will put a link to these stories in the description so that you can go and read them. And I want to thank these news organizations for all the hard work they do. This is another poll. It's a Utah poll. And it says ongoing inflation and lurking recession are a top worry for Utahns. Well, the first thing I would say to that is, duh. <laughs> I mean, it is for everybody. 
And the question is, nobody knows really what to do about it or what is causing it. So in a statewide survey conducted, uh, this is the 3rd of September through the 21st, of 815 registered Utah voters, Dan Jones and Associates uh, said 96% of respondents said they were very or somewhat concerned about inflation and 4% not very or not concerned at all. I want to know who those 4% are. In fact, there's 1% that is not concerned at all. And I'm guessing that you have money coming out of the wazoo. I don't know. I don't know how you cannot be concerned about, about inflation. Now, the poll has a margin of error of a plus or minus of 3.43%. Now, all of the politicians have their opinions about what is causing inflation. If you're on the right, then you're blaming Biden. If you're on the left, you're blaming spending on the part of Donald Trump. And you know what? Some of that is true, but I'm going to make, I'm just going to make a little suggestion here. And I know it's a crazy suggestion, but hear me out on this one. I would suggest that you don't listen to politicians when they try to explain to you why inflation is so high and why energy costs are so high. I'm just, you know, call me crazy, but I'm pretty sure that you know their answer before they even speak, right? I'm pretty sure that we know. I mean, wh why do you even need to say it? Republicans and Democrats, we already know what you're going to say. And you know what? The truth is a bunch of nonsense. So I feel that it's important to go to economists and those who research these kind of things and those who have spent their life studying these types of things and those who don't have a political agenda to find out what they think. Now, the Deseret News story spoke to Nate Lloyd. He's the deputy research director of the United, uh, excuse me, of the University of Utah, uh, their Chem C. Gardner Policy Institute. Well, listen to what he says. He says, high inflation is driven by a basic imbalance in supply and demand with various issues that have increased the cost of producing and delivering goods alongside a U.S. consumer demographic that has steadily rising wages and are still spending cash received via federal COVID-19 stimulus funding. Is that Biden's fault? No. If anything, the uh, stimulus funding, uh, that came mostly from the Trump administration, but I've been telling you this for weeks, if not months, that this is a supply and demand issue, that uh, all production went down because of the pandemic, and then suddenly demand went up uh, at an unbelievable rate, and the supply couldn't keep up with that. And the natural result of that is inflation. And you add to that everything that was been happening at the ports, where we had all of these, uh, you know, all of these container ships that we couldn't unload. So many issues played into the inflation. Now, you can trust an economist or you can trust a politician. I, for one, am going to choose the politician. Uh, I'm sorry. 
I, for one, am going to choose. <laughs> I'm going to choose the Economist. Um, this is a Trump update. This is from the interview that he did with Sean Hannity. Um, this whole Donald Trump thing is the. It is the strangest story I think I have ever seen in my life. I cannot recall something more bizarre than this, at least on a government level. Trump said he could declassify documents with his mind, but he may have also accidentally admitted to taking them intentionally. This is reporting from the New York Times, but it's a direct quote from John Hannity. So now Donald J. Trump has this mysterious power. He's like Magneto. He can declassify documents with his mind. <laughs> I just... <laughs> Who is taking this man seriously? Even Sean Hannity, when you saw his face, was just like... What are you doing, man? This is the person that I have supported for four years, and you're saying you could declassify them with your mind? But let's just play in this world for a minute. Let's just live here for just a second. Donald Trump can declassify documents with his mind. That doesn't change anything. Because he's he's trying to make you believe that once it's declassified, he can have it at Mar-a-Lago for as long as he wants. He calls them his documents. In fact, he's been demanding that his documents get returned. It's nonsense. These are not his documents. According to the National Archives, classified or not, these are not his documents. They are the government's documents. And can I just ask a quick question? Because to me, nobody has answered this question. Please, please, I'll send you a prize. Something. Somebody, please answer this question. Trump isn't, isn't answering it. And I don't hear a lot of people asking it. So maybe I'm missing that. But can somebody please answer this one question? Why does he have the documents? Why did he take the documents with him? Why does he have them? I, I can't come up with one solid reason on earth that he has these documents, unless maybe he wants to use them to write a book. And in that case, he can ask for them from the National Archive. He can seek those records. He's going to have his own presidential library where he will have access to all of these documents, but certainly he's not going to be writing a book with classified documents, is he? Somebody please tell me why. And all of these excuses that he's given as to why he should be allowed to have them, they don't ever deal with why he has them. And, and I want to go back quickly to this idea that he could declassify with his mind, with his... <laughs> with his superpowers. He says that he had a standing order that anything that went to Mar-a-Lago was declassified. This, my friends, is the most outrageous statement that he has ever made when it comes to these documents. People who might be his supporters are going, yeah, he can declassify anytime he wants. 
I want you to think about this for a minute. Please, please think about this for a minute. Why are the documents classified? because they are of a national security interest. What does classified mean? It means that only people of certain levels can see these documents. It also means with some of these documents that they can only be viewed in certain secure rooms and facilities. That's how classified they are, right? So he has a standing policy? that anything that leaves the White House to Mar-a-Lago is declassified? Think about that for a minute. His policy, his stated policy for declassifying documents has nothing to do with what's in the documents, has nothing to do with who's seen the documents, has nothing to do with whether he has seen the documents. His stated policy is, if it gets sent to Mar-a-Lago, then it's declassified. Are you freaking kidding me? What kind of standard is this? What kind of policy is this? He was mad at Hillary Clinton because she had a private email server. But guess what? There were no classified documents on that email server. What they found was that there was discussion around classified documents, but there were no classified documents, and he wanted to lock her up for that. And now he has the documents, he won't tell us why he has them, and he wants you to believe that he declassified all of them before they left the White House, which is the one of the biggest lacks of security, international security, I can think of. And he's using it as an excuse. Oh, it's absolutely, absolutely mind-blowing, my friends. Okay, and finally, our third story today. I don't normally give her a lot of attention, but honestly, I'm sick and tired of the Republicans not saying anything. I'm sick and tired of them not holding their own to some level of accountability and saying, hey, you know what? That's not right. That's not true. And, and I had decided a long time ago, I was not going to give Marjorie Taylor Greene uh, any, uh, any attention. I wasn't going to help her be a microphone. But my hope was that Republicans would call her out. They're not. And that makes them complicit in what she is saying. What is the latest that she is saying? You've heard it. She wants to end separation of state. She says that, uh, let me get it here. She says, we're seeing a resurgence, like a revival, she said. It's a real Christian revival. I want to see the church in America come to life and save this country because that's the church in America is the American people. The Constitution was founded by Christian men. One thing I can tell you for sure is that she has no knowledge of, of uh, how this country was founded. She has this romanticized version of, uh, of how it was. Maybe she got it from some Sunday school. Maybe she got it from somewhere else. But she has no clue or concept about the men who founded this country 
and about their religious beliefs. If she did, she would never say this. And if I had a chance to talk to her, to debate her, there's just a couple of questions that I would ask her to see if she really does have any true knowledge about this. And the first question I ask is really simple. If the founding fathers wanted Christianity to be the head of the church, why isn't God mentioned in the Constitution? Why isn't Christ mentioned in the Constitution? He's not there. You realize this. God does not appear in the Constitution. With one exception, when they sign the date at the end of the Constitution, they say, in the year of our Lord. And then they sign. If it was so important, Marjorie Taylor Greene, for the government to be run by the church, don't you think that would show up in the founding document? I'm just curious. You don't think that would, you know, be somewhere in the Bill of Rights, somewhere in, in the, you know, in the first or second or third part of the Constitution, instead of only one line, which is a prohibition of Congress establishing any laws about religion. This is outrageous. When you learn about where the founders came from, why they came to the United States, what their views were on religion, one thing is painfully clear. They did not want a government run by by the church. And for her to openly say that and to receive zero backlash from the Republican Party is pathetic. You become compliant, in my opinion, when people of your group are saying outrageous things and you sit there silently and you let it happen. Why? Why are you doing that? Is it because you don't understand? Maybe you don't understand how and why this country was founded? Don't you find that strange? If they wanted a Christian country, they didn't put one mention of God there. Now, there were people who believed that that Christian values were important for this country to survive, but they weren't ever suggesting that those values be forced upon, upon the American people. They believed that in order for the country to survive, the American people would need to hang on to Christianity. But I would ask you this, how can you have the pursuit of life, liberty, and happiness when a religion is forced upon you. You see, it just doesn't add up. It doesn't, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And, and the other thing that I would ask you is because the Constitution doesn't say which religion should be running the country, what happens if some other uh, group gets enough people and they want their religion to run the country. Since the Constitution doesn't specify, then what if some other group wants to be the one to take over? How are you going to decide? Constitution doesn't say which one. So which religion is it that you want to run this country? Let me tell you something. Religion running the state is one of the worst ideas I can ever imagine. 
Now, having people, citizens, who are either of good religious moral character or just good moral character, because that's the other mistake we make is we assume that if you don't have religion, you don't have moral character, which is a load of nonsense. But if you can have that, then your country can survive. The other thing I love is the idea that Democrats are godless. And that simply is not true. And if you take the time to find out about them, instead of just direct your anger and frustration at them, you might find out that a very large number of Christians are incredibly, or, or Democrats are incredibly religious. If you want the truth, if you just want political power, well, you'll lie and you'll do everything in your power to get that. So think about it. That, my friends, is all I have for you today. Again, I'm going to try on a regular basis to tell you how I'm doing, how the campaign's doing, and just respond to a couple of news stories of the day. If there's anything you want me to talk about, please do so, and uh, I will catch you next time. And be sure and subscribe. And we are still accepting donations to the campaign if you go to jmacforutah.com. I really appreciate everybody. I really appreciated everyone who's been out on the campaign so far. Let's not give up hope yet. Uh, Who knows what can happen in a month's time. Thank you.